It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bloomberg Intelligence Talking Transports podcast. I'm your host, Lee Glasgow, Senior Freight Transportation and Logistics Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, Bloomberg's in-house research arm. We're delighted to have Drew Wilkerson, RxO's CEO, as our guest on the podcast. Uh, a role he's held since RxO was spun out of XPO in October. RxO is listed on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker RxO, and has a market cap around $2.3 billion. Drew is a transportation industry veteran with 16 years of experience in brokerage operations. He joined RxO's predecessor company, XPO, in May of 2012 to spearhead the growth of the company's flagship truck brokerage hub in Charlotte, North Carolina. In May of 2014, he was promoted to regional vice president with responsibility for major brokerage operations and strategic accounts. In March of 2017, he was named president of XPO's North American brokerage business. And in February 2020, he was named president of XPO's North America transportation division with P&L responsible for truck brokerage, expedite, intermodal, drayage, managed transportation, last mile, and freight forwarding. Drew served in this role until the company separated from XPO. Prior to XPO, Drew was in leadership positions in sales, operations, and customer and carrier relationship management with C.H. Robinson Worldwide. He graduated from University of South Carolina with a degree in public relations. So I guess go Gamecocks. Welcome to uh, Talking Transports, Drew. Thanks for having me, Lee. It's great to be here, and I agree. Go Gamecocks. <laughs> so you've had a really busy year these last 12 months with the lead up and then the spin out uh, from XPO at a time when freight market conditions are becoming a lot more challenging. Um, can you talk about the process of spinning out from, from a company and you know being part of a, a larger diversified company and now being just purely, purely focused on the brokerage business? Yeah, so if you go back to the first part of 2020, uh, XPO announced a plan to sell or spend four of our five business units. And North American transportation was one of those. We also had two supply chain business units, one in Europe, one in North America, as well as our LT, LTL business. Um, and so for us, you know, what we really saw was a couple of things. First, on the customer side, there wasn't a ton of synergies. We were sending in multiple sales reps. We had our technology that was separated by different business units. Even HR was set up to support within different business units. So the customer synergy wasn't as strong as what we had hoped it would be. 
And then the second thing was, you know, when we started to talk to investors, they would tell us, hey, you know, I'm not really looking for an asset light transportation that's got a heavy asset LTL. And we we're really hoping that you had a European arm of European transportation, right. um, plus this supply chain business. It was a, it was too clunky for some of the investors to be able to put it together and come up with what was a fair valuation. And so, you know, while we weren't able to achieve it in 2020, you had GXO that was a spin out of XPO. Now you have RXO and you have XPO that's left with LTL and European transportation. So we achieved what we set out to achieve in 2020 just by a different way of going about it. Obviously, COVID had some disruption there. And for us, you know, the biggest thing that has changed is my time is now spent solely focused on RXO and our lines of business. Whereas Beforehand, it was great from a leadership development standpoint to get to learn from some great leaders like Malcolm Wilson, who runs GXO as a supply chain, and Mario Harak, who's with an LTL. But after a while, you know, you've tapped into the knowledge, you've had the relationship, and you're better off spending your time focusing on the business. And for me to be able to spend the time and my leadership team to be able to spend the time solely focused on RXO has been a huge win. The second thing that I'd point out is our deployment of capital. You know, we had, as I mentioned, we had five business units at XPO. We've got four different lines of business at RxO, but our ROIC is extremely high. It's over 42%. And for us, you know, how we deploy capital, there's not as much red tape. There's a, you know, there's no competition within it. We're looking at what's going to create the most value within our And business. you're spending most of that capital on what, technology? We spend a lot of it on technology. We do spend some on people, and then we also have some where we've leased some trailers, and we've got a, a drop trailer program that we do with several of our top large customers. Um, so there, there's a multitude of ways that we're spending, but you're right. Technology is the bread and butter. It's what, what our biggest differentiator is. You know, When we founded the company in 2011, we started investing in technology from day one, and we built a great infrastructure with RxO Connect that now services our customers, our carriers, and our employees. Yes. So, so, you know, your predecessor company, XPO, which really, I guess, RxO is the original XPO, if you think about it, because it started as a brokerage company. So so are are you, as far as XPO, is part of your strategy, the roll-up strategy, or are you you kind of more done with that? And it's more about organic growth for uh, RxO. We're mostly focused on organic growth, but we're not walking around with blinders on either and blind to what's going on within the M&A market. If you look over the last five, six years, 100% of our growth has been organic. And if you look over the last 10, 11 years, you know, 90 plus percent of our growth has been organic. Um, in, in the M&A market, you've really got to make sure that first, it's a cultural fit. We've got a great culture. We're in an industry that's growing extremely fast. From 2013 to 2021, the brokerage industry grew at over a 9% compound annual growth rate. And for us, we grew at over a 27% during that same time period. So we've got a winning culture and we're able to go out and take share in an industry that is taking share. So from an M&A perspective, we want to be um, extremely disciplined and make sure if there was something we were going to do, it would be very additive to the culture that we built. And in today's environment, are you seeing bankers bring you more deals, less deals? What what is the M&A environment right now from your perspective? It's picked up from where it was um, as we ended last year and we've started this year. You've you've definitely seen more activity out there. Um, But for, for us, we haven't found anything that we feel like 
we can't do ourselves at this point or something that would really change the landscape of, of the company and allow us to grow even faster. If we were to do M&A, I think, you know, where you would think about it would be first in the managed transportation space. We love the managed transportation business and it provides so much synergy to our other lines of business as a customer, specifically our truck brokerage business. So if there was something in the managed transportation space or if there was a mode of transportation and brokerage that was going to allow us to put on our, on our RXO Connect platform and grow it even faster, then we would pay attention to it. But again, you know, I spend a whole lot more time focused on organic growth, time with our customers here today, and time focused on creating solutions for our customers than I do versus M&A. And, uh, you know, roughly speaking, you know, how, how big is the, the managed transportation part of uh, RXO, uh, either a revenue or an EBIT standpoint? We manage we, that business off of the freight under management. The revenue is done more off of a net revenue basis. And so for us, the freight under management is whenever we're taking the, the total revenue that we're managing for our customers. And when we spun out, that was around $4 billion. We picked up some new business. Obviously, truckload rates have come down a, a good bit since then. So it's a little bit under $4 billion now. Um, but the trajectory of that business, the new wins that we've had in that business, the growth that we've had with some of our current brokerage customers who have transitioned to become managed transportation has been strong. And that pipeline has got me more excited about the future than what I've ever been at any point of having been a part of the managed transportation business. And can you, can you define for our listeners what, what net revenue is in your world? Because it is different for different industries. That's right. So net revenue is more of the margin off of the revenue that you're doing. Okay. All right. Great. Um, so let, let's switch gears a, a little bit and let's actually talk about the freight market. It's something that I, I love to talk about. Um, you know, from your perspective, what, what is the state of the North America freight market? It's still a soft environment right now. Um, you know, you, you're not seeing a ton of spot loads and it's, it's been a soft environment really since the end of Q1 last year, um, there are some green shoots that we've seen that have us excited and think that it could be turning a little bit. Load to truck ratio is a metric that we measure in the business. And as we ended the first quarter this year, it was sitting around 1.8 to 1, which is an extremely low load, load to truck ratio. I haven't seen it very many times in my career go under 2 to 1 for an extended period of time. It's now jumped to where it's three and a half to one. And typically, whenever that ratio gets around six or seven to one, you start seeing spot business turn down. And you start seeing that come out because carriers are, start rejecting tenders. And specifically, asset-based carriers start putting their assets on the most profitable freight. And so you see tender rejections rise up. And so that's another trend that we've seen is we've seen our tender rejections rise up to where it's around five or six percent in the industry. And six months ago, it was at zero percent. So, you know, you've seen some green shoots from that perspective. And then the last one that I'll mention is we've seen capacity exiting the market. And it's been exiting the market really all year as we've gone through 2023. But it's been a slow and steady drip. It has picked up a little bit over the last couple of months. And the more capacity that exits the market, the more it changes the supply and demand dynamics, which increases that load to truck ratio. Yeah, and when you talk about load to truck ratio, you know, back during the pandemic when when conditions were really tight, how high did that go? In some in some cases, it was 16, 17 wow. to one. And if you looked at specific parts of the country, in some cases, it was 30 mm -hmm. to one. 
And and are you getting a sense because you know we're coming up on peak season uh, in a couple of weeks here? Uh, it might be starting for some industries right now. Um, you know what what are your expectations for peak season uh, from you know your vantage point from what you're seeing from your customers? We spend a lot of time talking to our customers, and you know the one thing that we've heard is the inventory levels are in a much better position versus where they were at last year. Last year, all of our conversations were about destocking of the inventory. Where right now, inventories are in a pretty stable position overall. I think the one unknown is what's going to happen with consumer demand. Are they going to spend their money on on services and travel, or are they going to spend it on goods and products during, during peak season? I think that's still a little bit of an unknown. So we're prepared for for a peak season, but we we don't have the crystal ball that's going to tell us what the consumer demand is going to be yet. And then on the on the trucking supply side, you know, you mentioned you are seeing some um, you know companies exit the market. You know, we seen we saw during the pandemic a lot of uh, folks jumping into the spot market with higher cost equipment, and you know now they're just not making any money. They're maybe barely able to pay their bills, uh, so they're either parking that equipment or just doing something different. Um, you know, how how has it changed to kind of secure capacity on your side? Is it easier? Is it is it getting harder? Talk about that a little bit, if you would. The looser the environment gets, meaning that there there is more than enough capacity, the easier it is to procure transportation. So for us, as I talked about earlier, that you started to see that shift of a loosening in transportation around the end of Q1 last year. What made 2022 set up well is because you, you had customer rates that had already been negotiated and you were able to pull down purchase transportation. So even though you didn't have the spots that normally would help offset your gross profit per load on the, um, on the, tr- on the truckload margin, we were able to pull down purchase transportation. And that was a lever that we've used in 2022. As you start to see demand change and the load to truck ratio gets around that six to seven to one, what, what, what you'll see happen is your spot gross profit per load will actually start outpacing what's happened on your contractual gross profit per load. But the key here is you actually don't get the opportunities for the spot loads if you don't have strong relationships and great service with your customers. And, you know, for our top customers, they've been with us for 14 years on average, and they're coming back to us year after year. And we continue to take on more contractual volume. We take on the hard freight for them. And because of that, when there's the first signs of spot loads, projects, mini bids, we're the first place that customers are coming to them. Right. And, you know, and, and for those that are unfamiliar with the freight brokerage industry, you know, you guys make money, you you secure capacity at a price, and then you try to mark that up, and then and that's your, your margin. Can you talk about, you know, where your margin is going to be going from here, given this the soft environment that's, in, in my perspective, it seems like we're bottoming and, um, you know, it, it should should improve. Uh, going forward, but can you talk about you know where where you see um, RxO's margins and broker margins in general? Yeah, we we talked about this on our second quarter earnings call, and we, we agree with you. We said on that call that we were approaching the bottom of, of of this freight cycle, specifically on a gross profit per load. And what you saw in the second quarter was kind of the opposite of what I talked about in 2022. The carrier costs that you were talking about are rising, and you've got a lower customer rate on a year over year basis. So you start to see those two bump up against each other, which led us to have a 15% gross profit percentage in the second quarter. Um, now what you'll see is you'll see a little bit of a squeeze 
whenever you start to see that influx of load to truck ratio, but then you'll start to see that start to rise as the tighter the tighter capacity gets because your spot gross profit per loads will become higher than your contract gross profit per load. And loads. you know, um, in past cycles, you know, where where has been that margin, you know, during tight markets and during really loose markets? Mid-teens is a good place to to picture it. It's been down as low as 12 at times and it's been as high as 21. Mm-hmm. Well, 21 would be nice, right? 20, 21 would be nice, but we understand that we oper- operate in a cyclical industry. And for us, it's about outperforming at each part of the cycle. Yeah, I was looking at consensus estimates for your uh, for expectations for RxO uh, on an earnings per share basis. Uh, and, and they're expected to be down 83% this year. And that's, you know, based on a, a, a very unsustainable peak that we reached last year in the industry. And then 2024, folks are expecting uh, EPS to, to surge about 159%. And it's pretty interesting because that 159% surge in uh, EPS is only based on 10% uh, jump in revenue uh, based on consensus expectations. So a highly leveraged business. And, you know, that's kind of why you get that high ROIC, uh, I'm gathering. That, that, that's exactly right. And what, what, what you see that folks are modeling in there is not necessarily a big jump in revenue, but you're seeing an uptick in your gross profit per load. Right. You know, you mentioned you're seeing some green shoots. Are you see are are some modes better than others? Like you know, like less than truckload or LTL. Um, obviously, people that pay attention to the space they saw yellow went bankrupt uh, the end of July. I think that was the end of July. Uh, has that impacted your business at all? Yeah. So we built our business off of 53 foot dry vans with swing doors. That's been our bread and butter since day one. Um, but we do all modes of transportation. And LTL is definitely a vertical that has been growing for us over the last 12 to 24 months. And we're, we're really growing in a different way than what I thought we would have 10 plus years ago. Um, 10 years ago, I thought, well, we're LTL, we'll get the transactional small to mid-sized customers um, that will come on and be our base in LTL. But what's actually happened is we built the business off of 53-foot dry vans for some of the largest companies in the country. And what we've seen is those customers have come to us and said, hey, for us, can you just take over and can you outsource and manage all of our LTL or a portion of our LTL or a different market? And so the LTL has been growing for us at at a very, very steady clip off of a small base. But it is something that we do expect to continue to see growth in over the next several years, Um, specifically for the disruption in the LTL industry. Anytime there is disruption, typically that's a good thing for large brokers um, and especially large brokers that have good relationships with their customers like like what we do. So we've seen a little bit of an uptick off of the LTL. But again, it's not as much in the transactional nature for us. It's more of whenever customers are coming to us for managing a piece of the LTL business or all of it. Okay. And, and, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, managed transportation as, as a place of M&A possibilities. Um, would LTL be, uh, I guess, a mode that you would you would maybe look at growing through M&A? Because, you know, at the end of the day, the, the freight broker industry are huge customers of LTL carriers nowadays. They, they, they account for a lot of their sales. Um, so just interesting uh, to hear what your perspective is on that. 
Yeah, if there was something out there that made sense, then again, we, we wouldn't walk around with blinders on. We'd pay attention to it. We'd look at the cultural and the strategic fit that it would have for RxO. But LTL is also right now growing at a at a very good clip for us organically. And I, I you know, we've talked about starting to disclose that number more publicly in one of our future earnings calls. Okay. Do you do you break out your uh, end markets by industries, by broad industries? We do not. Again, like the truckload piece of the business was such a big piece. We talked about at the time of spend that it was 90% of our volume was on the truckload side, around 10% was on the LTL side. LTL has taken up a, a little bit more. So I think you could assume that it was in that 15% range right right now. But we have talked about disclosing that more in future earnings calls. You know, we're, we're hearing more and more from transportation companies that are providing trailers for uh, shippers and, and truckers. Um, you know, everyone kind of seems to like it. And you, you kind of mentioned it earlier in the conversation. Uh, could you talk about what you're doing with the trailing fleet? Like, like, are you are you leasing in size? What is your fleet like? Where, where are growth opportunities there? Yeah. So for us, we started doing drop trailers for customers a, a decade ago. And, you know, whenever I started in the industry, drop trailer was typically something that was only done by asset based carriers. But what we started doing and we started this with retail and e-commerce customers was we developed a trailer pool and it was from leased trailers. And we would work with smaller carriers to create bigger fleets for customers. And now drop trailer makes up roughly 10% of our business uh, overall on the, on the truckload side and um, has been growing at a, at a very good clip. It's something that when you've got the asset there at the customer, it, it makes you more strategic and more likely for them to be able to award you more contractual volume. It's also something that the carriers love because on the carrier side, you know, they've got a trailer that is already loaded or they, and they can drop it off at the consignee, the receiver, and just leave it there. And they can spend more of their time, their hours of operating, just driving versus spending it getting loaded and unloaded at the shipper and consignee. So it's, it's been a great part of the business. We started it off with retail and e-commerce, but now it touches every vertical. And we're doing it for some of the largest companies in the country. Great. You know, we talked uh, earlier kind of about like the crazy peak that we had last year. And, you know, it's been great for uh, anyone that was involved in transportation from a from a profitability standpoint. You, know, you guys generate around 220 million in adjusted EBIT uh, in 2022. Uh, this year, consensus has you at 130. Uh, obviously, that's really just market conditions. Um, how long do you think it's going to take you to get back to 2022 levels? Um is, is is that is that like are we is that real far out or is that something that you guys can do in the next three years in the next three years yeah yes absolutely we said at our investor day that we expect our EBITDA in 2027 to be between 475 and 525 million and we're still right on track to be able to achieve that and it starts by building a stronger base whenever you're at this part of the market, that it has stayed down for a, a sustained period of time. What are you doing to build the foundation? And if you look back to just last quarter, we grew volumes by 10% on a year over year basis. This is at a time in the industry when volumes were down mid single digits on, on a year over year basis. So for us, it's about expanding the relationships with the customer, building a stronger foundation. So when the market does inflect, we are the first call that they make. And, you know, you talked about the market inflection earlier 
from uh, the early parts of COVID in 2020. And during that time period, we were growing volumes 20 and 30% on a year over year basis because not only did we have the contractual business we were hauling, we were also rewarded because of our great service with the spot business as, as well. And when the market inflects, I'm confident that RXO is going to be one of the first calls that our customers make. Right. Okay. And uh, I want to switch gears a little bit. You know, so uh, I had the opportunity, I don't remember when it was, it might have been two years ago or three years ago to come down to your offices and sit with a couple of your employees and check out the technology. You know, you know, when I think of, you know, when most people think of freight brokers, they think of phones, Rolodex, chain smokers, frat boys. Um, but like, you know, the reality is there's a lot of technology uh, that goes into the brokerage industry. Uh, and the successful ones uh, are investing in technology. And a lot of that is proprietary technology. Can you talk about, you know, what your technology does, how it makes your brokers more productive, how it benefits the customers and how it's going to drive growth going forward? So we built our technology from the ground up over a decade ago, and we focused on three things and, and we kept it very simple customers carriers and employees. So for customers, what we've done is we've taken a lot of their data, combined it with our data, as well as external data, and we use that to help create solutions for them. So we're telling them things like what day of the week they could potentially ship something. Do you have the opportunity to consolidate freight? Is there an opportunity for a mode conversion? And even for some of our large customers, we've helped them decide where they're going to place warehouses that, um, best allow them to route their transportation. So for us, technology is very key at creating solutions for customers. The second piece with customers comes the visibility. And are they able to see from beginning of the end to the order, how well the, the it is performing? Are they getting an update if something has gone wrong? And RxO Connect does that proactively for, for our customers. The second piece is for the carriers that we partner with. And so the biggest thing for carriers is we wanted to build something that was easy to use. And, you know, they can pick up their cell phone, they can book a load, they can negotiate, they can do all of that with no human interaction. And we've also created a flywheel that keeps them coming back to our DriveRxO app that, they're, that they use. And on DriveRxO, you know, they get access to fuel discounts, tire discounts, roadside maintenance discounts, hotel discounts, all the things that a trucker uses in their day-to-day -day life that they would be rewarded on. And we base the discounts off of the service and the volume that they're hauling with us. And so for us, we've seen a huge benefit with our, with our RxO Extra platform that we work with the carriers on. And then the last piece is on the employees. And it really comes down to loads per day per headcount. And for us, you know, if you go from 2021 and you take a five-year look back, we grew volume three times faster than what we grew headcount. And in 2022 and in 2023, we've continued to see great gains on our productivity with our employees. And it really comes down to making the system easy to use, reducing the number of the clicks of the mouse they have, the keystrokes that they have, that they can focus their time on relationships with customers, building new solutions for the customers. And of course, if there's anything that's going on with the order where they need to jump in and do exception management. For us, that that would be, that's our dream scenarios that our employees are focused on relationships, solutions, and exception management. So is uh, is, is loads per day per headcount, is that the, 
the most important KPI that you look at as a, as a senior leader? I look at a lot of KPIs. Um, and, but if you look at some of the ones that are the most important, I watch where gross profit per load is trending. And so that's something that we keep an eye on. I want to see how we're doing with market share gain. So what, what are we doing from a volume perspective? I want to see, are we putting, uh, from a technology perspective, are we gaining the right adoption with, within our carrier base? And so for us, we've been able to see that 75% of the time, whenever a carrier logs on to RxO Connect, they come back to the platform within a week to do business. I talked about the headcount um, productivity that we've seen. We absolutely look at the loads per day per head. So there's a lot of metrics that, that, we, that we look at to drive our success. Okay. And, you know, I, th I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, uh, five, six years ago, everyone was talking about the uh, technology only broker model. And, uh, you know, and then the, that model has kind of changed more into a hybrid where you really just can't have just technology. You do need people because of the relationships that you, you mentioned. Yeah, we, we've always been investing in technology, but it's never been technology or operations for us. And whenever we built the business, it was built with some of the best operators who know and understand how to operate in the transportation market, who understand having deep relationships with their customers where they're creating solutions and partnering with them with some of the best technologists in the world with people who've worked at companies like Amazon and Microsoft and Google we want to be able to combine the best of both worlds that it's never an either or. This is always going to be a people business to where the relationships with the customers matter. The service that you provide for a customer matters. Are you able to go out and do business at scale for a customer? Meaning, can you go to a customer and say, hey, I can do 100 loads a day, 200 loads a day, 500 loads a day, and actually be able to back up that and service, service the customer at scale. Yeah, and I'm just curious. So, you know, because you, you are, I mean, people might not think of you as a technology company, but you are a technology-based company uh, in my eyes. Um, you know, are you having a hard time finding engineers nowadays or has that become easier given the economy? We, we've got some great engineers who have been here for a very long time who have helped us build RxO Connect from the ground up. Um, you know, I think when you look in the technology labor market, it's always been a very competitive place to be. But for us, people want to come to work here because they see, hey, I can go work for a company that is in an industry that's growing and they're outgrowing that industry. I can see I can go work for a company that believes in technology and creating solutions for customers and carriers and employees. They want to go to work with winners, and we, we've got a great group of winners here at RxO. Right, and you're in, and you're in Charlotte, right? So it's uh, it's, it's, we, we are in Charlotte. If my accent doesn't give it away, we are we are in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a, it's a nice, uh, you know, I guess work life balance. Your football team's no good. I mean, as a Giant fan, if someone's saying that, that says something. But uh, they're 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 struggling this year, and I, I'm also a South Carolina Gamecocks fan, and they're they're struggling a little bit as well this year. So it, it is not our year, but they're you know. As a Gamecock fan, I learned a saying a long time ago, wait till next year. <laughs> so like, just uh, if, if you would, so we, when you're not like, you know, managing this huge business, uh, what, do you, what do you do for fun outside of work? One, I spend a lot of time at work. I love, I love what I do. And I, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty simple person. It, it, it is faith, it's family, it's work, 
South Carolina. <laughs> the, the, the outside of that, there is there is not a lot that that I've got going on. I've got two girls that I love watching them. If I've got the opportunity to be able to go watch them and play in sports, um, I've got a wife that I've been with since I was 16 years old. So yeah. we, we've grown up together. Um, I love being able to spend time with her, but I love the people I work with, and I love being able to come into work and you know continue to drive the ball forward take market share and do it profitably. And I, I believe in what we're building here at RxO. So I, I do not mind spending a lot of time here. All right. Well, that, that's good to know. And I'm sure your shareholders appreciate uh, all, all your efforts. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I think we should uh, wrap it up here. Um, you know, I just wanted to uh, thank you for, you know, making the time to talk to us at uh, Talking Transports. And uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. You know, if you like the episode, please subscribe and leave a review. We've lined up a number of great guests for the podcast. Check back to hear conversations with C-suite executives from Canadian National, CSX, Werner, ArcBest, GXO, Starbolt, PAM Transportation, Scorpio Tankers, just to name a few. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please hit me up on the terminal or you can reach me on Twitter at Logistics Lee. Thanks, Drew, for your time. Thanks for having me, Lee. All right. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you? and not against you. With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.